0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November twenty-seventh, and it closes December eighth. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at BTEracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to
1: the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener... Thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. All right, everyone. Obviously, this show is uh, surrounded with footbreak talk, and um, I know everybody doesn't footbreak race, but we appreciate those of you that are sticking around and listening to it. Uh, footbreak racing is very important to me, and our guest, Michael Beard, is heavily invested as well. But um, really, what it is is a, a BTE Labor Day 100K Preview Show. So, just want to talk a little bit about that event, and uh, hopefully, um, if you didn't know about it, uh, and you get the chance to come join us, you you will do just that. But the race is next weekend, September 3rd through the 6th at Bristol Dragway. It's going to be a great time. We'll start things out Thursday with a little test in tune and tune in the Gamblers race, and. Then we move into the main event, Friday and Sunday are ten thousand dollar to win races, and Saturday is uh, what the race is all about, so to speak. It is a hundred thousand dollars to win on Saturday, guaranteed. The purse is one hundred percent guaranteed, as are the tens, as are the gamblers' races. Second round winners get paid. <clears throat> that's a uh, that's something that you know is uh, that we did many many years ago. You you don't see it a lot, but something that we take a lot of pride in we pay a lot of racers at our races and if you can win second round you start going to the pay window and it gets better every round win after that so would love to see you make it out and join us it'll be footbreak history be the largest single day purse on saturday that's ever been paid at a footbreak only event and we're super excited about it it will be broadcast live on MotorMania tv thanks to jegs the awesome folks at jegs performance picking up part of the tab there and our good friend Troy Morgan at Environmental Oil Recovery taking care of the other half of that. So, thankful to those companies for bringing it live on Motor Mania TV. We've got tremendous sponsors involved with round prizes. Hoosier Brodix, Jegs back in on the round prizes, Moser Engineering, Autometer, Pro 1 uh, Racing and Safety Products. Those guys are not only a round prize sponsor, They're going to give a custom Pro 1 racing jacket with the 100K logo on it to Saturday's winner. They'll make it just the size that the winner needs. It's going to be really nice. Um, Someone gets to collect that. It'll come in the mail. It won't get to put it on at the race, but it's going to be great when they get it. And uh, Plured Racing Products, another great sponsor, giving us some Lucas Oil products as a round prize sponsor. Uh, the Richardson Boys presenting the Best Appearing Car Award. Brodick's with a Long Distance Award. We're going to have um, ice cream for everyone that buys back. You get free ice cream when you buy back. So, A lot of really cool things. But the coolest thing, obviously, is that $100,000 on Saturday that someone's going to collect. And, you know, it's going to be a life-changing day for someone if it doesn't do it financially, if they're so financially stable, it doesn't change their life financially. It's going to change it as a result of them going down in history as the first ever BTE Labor Day 100K foot break winner. That is next weekend, Labor Day weekend at Bristol Dragway. The action starts Thursday. Check us out on Facebook at World Footbreak Challenge, or you can look on the World Wide Web at worldfootbreakchallenge.com for more info. Of course, Big Jed here, you can reach out to me on my personal page, Any way you want to get a hold of us, get a hold of us. If you want more info, come see us. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we certainly look forward to talking to you again about some more racing coming up soon. And we hope to see a lot of you at the inaugural BTE Labor Day 100K. Welcome to or welcome back to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed, where we sometimes discuss foot brake racing and new Skype software that uh, keeps us from being able to record the show in a timely manner. But we're glad you're with us. This is episode 194, and we're looking forward to having a wonderful show. We are luke again this week. Luke uh, had some other obligations that's uh, keeping him from being on the show, but um, I'm going quote-unquote solo as far as the, the normal hosts go, but we do have a guest we'll introduce in just a moment. But this uh, show is going to be a preview to the inaugural BTE Labor Day 100K event. that's happening next weekend, Labor Day weekend, of course, uh, as the name indicates, at Bristol Dragway. And um, along with discussing that 100K race, going to discuss just foot brake racing in general, kind of where it is today, where it's going, where it's been, a lot of that type stuff, and couldn't think of anyone any better from uh a history standpoint of knowing the sport participating in the sport in so many different levels and doing it at very successful levels at that then our guest today which uh, the co-host for this show is going to be michael beard and we have michael with us now and, and just really excited about having you on the show beard and looking forward to your insight in a, a lot of different ways but uh, just appreciate you taking some time to join us tonight it was short notice on my part i apologize for that but thanks for coming in bud
2: Hey Jed, I really appreciate you having me on. Now, is this the part where we talk about like college basketball or something at the beginning of the show?
1: <laughs> We've been known to do that. We have any
2: help whatsoever.
1: We try to do that in February and March only. So uh, no, we're we're good right now. <laughs> but we do. I know you're busy. Obviously, those of us that uh, follow you on Facebook, we just saw your post about how your business has evolved to the point where you're basically having to say no which is very difficult for you to do to some new customers to satisfy the needs of your longtime current customers so I know you got your hands full uh, full plate with all you got going on and really appreciate you taking a little bit of time for us tonight to help us through this foot break show
2: well, always got time for you jed and and producer Mark in the background there and uh, you know this is the kind of stuff that I really want to be doing you know that, exploring the the passion of our sport you know and and doing more along that line working with other promoters working with racetracks and uh we did quite a bit of that just last weekend it was kind of a off the cuff thing where we're kind of starting to do some consulting work on top of just doing event flyers and big checks and run stickers
1: yeah So I'm sure that whoever you're working with is appreciative of your insight and they're benefiting from it. Um, As you, you have a a view of this sport, especially from the footbreak side, but really all sides that, that is unique, which is part of the reason we wanted to bring you in this evening to talk to us. I mean, Michael, let's, let's just talk a little bit about you and your place in the sport. I I mean, you've been a media member, you've been uh, an announcer on large scale, you've worked for the IHRA you're obviously a long-time and very accomplished foot brake racer. Still today, you're, you're super competitive, probably just had as good a season as you've had last year. Um, very successful in stock and super stock, both foot braking, by the way. Um, you're the owner of Staging Light Graphics, um, where you, again, do those things you just talked about, race flyers, run stickers, big checks, a lot of that promotional stuff that us promoters love and, and need, and you're also the co-promoter of Loose Rocker Promotions, which is a, a wildly successful race promotion business where you guys have had amazing events and continue to to grow those and, and find new ways to gain customers and, and do wonderful things for our sport, so you do have a unique place in our sport and, and certainly looking forward to, to having this discussion with you because you see all angles of it
2: yeah I appreciate that. and that's it that really goes back to the foundation of things and how loose rocker promotions got started was we just want to put on the kind of races that we want to go to. you know, so if our events are successful, that's because of the racers, not necessarily because of us. It just means that they like what they see. you know like uh, I've got some customers like uh, Quaker City Raceway last year put on a couple of events that, they hired me to do their event flyers for and did a little consulting on, helped them design their program, and they were based very heavily on our Virginia events that we do, but I got to go to those as a racer. That was awesome. I had a great time. So, it, it was being on the other side of the tower glass, you know, so I, I got to experience kind of what it's like to go to one of our races as a racer. <laughs> Yeah, that is really good, uh, and I'm sure it didn't hurt that uh, aside from
1: Nick Hastings being on the property for that event, <laughs> you you totally wrecked the place and uh, and had a ton of windlight. So I'm sure getting to attend the great race and having a great performance within it is uh, extra special.
2: Well, and they even got to steal our announcer that we stole from Norwalk years ago, Ron Huntley Jr. You know, so. I'm even hearing the voice that I hear at loose Rocker Races. So, yeah, definitely a great time. Felt a lot like home, I'm sure. Yeah, and actually used to work at Quaker City Raceway. When I left IHRA, I, I worked for IHRA under the Bill Bader Sr. era, and really left there so that I could pursue Stock Eliminator, couldn't work for the sanctioning body, and race with them at the same time. I'm like, well, I'll go work for a racetrack, and then I can run the Stock Eliminator, and... had to ask off of work a lot chasing a world championship. And that's when I decided that I don't, I need to run my own business. So I don't have to ask off of work, but anybody that's self-employed can tell you, you don't have less bosses. You have more. They're called customers. And (laughs) as you alluded to earlier, I've got to the point where I've got way too many bosses. I love each and every one of them. And like you said, it is hard to say no. And I, I, Struggled with the idea of trimming down the services that I offer last winter and I didn't do it. Oh, it'll be okay. And now floodgates opened up again. And when you get one project done for every three that are coming in the door, once it snowballs, you're just never digging out. And it's not good for anybody. And I've had to turn down some very good jobs of the type of job that i really want to do you know just because of the the big backlog so you know still intent on digging out of what i've got but gotta gotta set things up for the long term and maybe actually get to go racing again sometime too i don't know what i would be doing if i was actually still if i had a car done you know it's not broke for once Everything is actually brand new. Uh, The problem is brand new needs to be put together. So it's in the chassis shop currently. But when it's done, it'll be done right. And hopefully I can just get a couple of weeks testing with the new combination in the Valari at the end of the season, get things squared away, and hit them hard in 2021.
1: Well, and and based on the information that you've just given and the industry or market that you serve – uh, it sounds like there's going to be plenty available for the racer in 2021. If you're that busy, then that means race promoters are, and racetracks are reaching out with some regularity and uh, coming up with new ideas and, and wanting to to get the, the promotions that go along with those. So it sounds like our sport is in for a, another good year as we wrap up this, this one strong.
2: And there's a lot of new promoters out there. Uh, whether it's coming from racetracks stepping up, trying to trying to compete with the independent promoters, uh, some of the old promoters like Galen Rollison, I've worked with him on King of the Coast forever it seems, uh, but Galen teamed up a couple years. Brick Cummings, and they've got some extremely successful things coming. It's great when you can call an event successful before the event has even taken place. But with a sold-out, guaranteed million, uh, we're going to call that one. We're just going to put that in the successful book right away. mcgill has been doing a lot of other promotions as well. He's been adding on some events outside of King of the Coast, and a number of those are on the the footbreak level of things. His footbreak 150 deal that he does. Uh, a unique style there where it's kind of a buy one get two entries kind of thing like if you're in you're doubled everybody's doubled there okay that took that out of the playing field
1: <laughs> yeah that's a it is a very unique and cool format i really like it and it's you know it, it guarantees everybody's got the same amount of entries that are in the program so really cool and galen and, and brit are doing wonderful things with top bulb stuff galen um Certainly is still committed to the foot brake class and doing wonderful things for for the bottom bulbers. So look forward to seeing what they've got in the future. And um, certainly back to Loose Rocker Promotions. Looking forward to seeing what you guys have in the future. You you know you you went from a whole lot of races a couple of two or three seasons ago. You you downsized those. Kind of got more looks like focus on uh, a couple of different formats and you're sticking with that and it's been very successful and you're just coming off of one uh, just this past weekend Michael you you guys had the triple tens at Piedmont where you uh you had the Bigfoot triple tens where you changed that format a little bit to to kind of fit the market and the times that we're in and it uh, looked like it was a wonderful event you had some rain challenges on Friday made a great decision early to make that a couple of 15s instead of triple tens and it looked like that was a a, the perfect decision as you you're always in tune to the weather and what's happening so you make great decisions based on the information you gather and it it looked like a wonderful event that you had there in piedmont uh, with uh, a lot of great winners so tell us a little bit about that one
2: well thanks it it did turn out to be a great event and it's ironic that you say that, that we've got some pretty established type formats and this was actually a very different format for us, at least even the the planned format. Uh, Like you said, the reason it was a different format, now Bigfoot we'd done for two years as a 10, a 40, and a 10 in its normal late April date. With the coronavirus that went on, that wasn't going to happen in North Carolina. We lost both our April and our May door card date. Besides Bigfoot... So, luckily, we were able to get rescheduled dates for those two events. Uh, the door car race is going to be coming up in a couple of weeks at Piedmont, September 11 to 13. Bigfoot, the only date available was August 21st to 23rd. Uh, you're probably well aware that there is a $100,000 to win foot brake race going on just a couple weeks after that. There ain't no way that anybody in their right mind is going to expect the footbreak crowd to go to a 40 and 100 a couple of weeks apart. Just not going to happen. And we didn't want to take anybody away from your event as well, but it was either that date or not have the event at all. We still wanted to do an event, so our idea was to do something as cheap as possible and make it such a stupid good deal that you could not not go so triple tens for 300 bucks for the weekend that looks really good like you said friday forecast was not good and what actually happened on friday at the racetrack there was a decent amount of dry time had we run the race it would have rained sometime in the middle of first round And it would have rained again about third round. It would have been an aggravating day and ended up with yet another split. There ain't nothing worse than doing some of them big, beautiful, big checks and not being able to hand them out. So uh, we made the decision early on Wednesday so people could adjust their hotel schedule, maybe work another day. Again, our our footbreak crowd you and I are, are among the footbreak crowd. So we even though you'd let go of buttons now and then, but I won't hold that against you, but we, <laughs> like we got to watch pocketbook a little bit. So let the guys work, let them knock off a day of hotel and went from triple tens to twin fifteens. And every line item on the flyer was just one and a half times, whatever one of the 10 granders was, except for single day entry. We discounted that a bit. Anyway, uh, 237 entries after breakage went down first round. So 237 actually went down first round on Saturday, and Sunday was 223. Given the circumstances of the virus stuff going on, on having a rescheduled date, which is always a, a tough road to hoe to begin with, uh, being two weeks before Bristol, turns out we there was an IHRA Sportsman Spectacular event at Maryland. Going on the same weekend, Bristol had one of their regular points races rescheduled onto that Saturday. So I'd say that was actually a very successful test bed. Uh, I think on our normal day with any kind of a a decent forecast, that's a 300-car race. Uh, We saw a lot of new faces. Uh, There's a lot of our regulars that were not there. You can expect those guys to be at Bristol for the hundred K, you know, and we knew that going into it. There's guys that simply could not do both and guys that were already committed to go to Bristol. Got no problem with that whatsoever. You know, that there should be those, those type of life changing races. And, you know, I think we, we got to have a successful event and you guys will have a successful event. And that's what promotion in part is about, you know, to me, we need to be able to put enough money back in the pockets of the racers so they can afford to run somewhere next week and the week after that and the week after that you know so there's enough to go around for everybody if if we play our cards right and and we've always done well with that kind of partnering back and forth you guys give away free weekend entries to our events we give away free weekend entries to to your events and you know try to do some cross promotion You know, that's what it takes. We've got to work together, and it becomes better for the racers all around at that point. But under the, the results end of things, you want to talk about a little bit of history. I don't know if you're allowed to call it history if you're only 24 years old. There's a lot of history to be made there, yet Nathan Sexton is the next big thing. If the name sounds even slightly familiar, that's because he won the Sunday race at our Colonial Classic in Virginia just a few weeks ago, beginning of the month. Besides being young and having already won with Lewis Rocker, what else is special about Nathan Sexton? How about his car? This is a street-legal, stock-motored, late-model Mustang GT. The fanciest stuff in this car is a good C4 transmission. That's it. Car was going to 840s. He's doubled down to three cars, beats Brandon White in a renter ride on the semis, and Nathan Sexton on the buy. We've seen this story before. That leaves you Nathan Sexton versus Nathan Sexton. Runs himself in the finals for $15,000. Jed, how many times does a racer actually go home after the split, with more money than what is written on the check. Mike, that's great.
1: Yeah, that's extremely rare, and and a a feat that is rarely accomplished. However, the guy reporting that news did it at a World Footbreak Challenge event uh, quite a few years ago, and I didn't think it could be done then, and you proved it wrong, and i Really felt like we might not ever see that again with the talent out there, but Nathan Sexton proved that wrong. So uh, that was uh, really cool to see him perform like that, Michael. And uh, while it's extremely rare for it to happen, I don't know if you would even put it in the rare category for a guy going 840s in a streetcar, you know, it's it really goes unbelievable at that point, um, you know, given the how consistent the big tire alcohol cars are these days, and especially at a great facility like Piedmont where they repeat so well. So um, unbelievable performance on Nathan's part. And uh, I know he's bringing his show to Bristol, so looking forward to seeing him compete there as well.
2: And uh, we got to borrow one of your guys from Bristol, actually an Ohio guy. Uh, Andrew Adkins drove his duster to Piedmont Dragway after driving it from Ohio to Bristol and directly into the 10K winner's circle. Uh, He didn't have the successful weekend that he kind of hoped for, but uh, this is still definitely the year. We're we're calling it Streetcar Mafia. um, Kevin Pollard is one of the baddest dudes on the planet and hate to call him out and throw him under the bus, but uh, Andrew Adkins... The only round that he won on Saturday was first round on Kevin Pollard, and Nathan Sexton doubled and had to get through Pollard to do it. So Pollard got a street card twice <laughs> as we that weekend. That's tough.
1: Probably not wanting to see many of them, uh, you guys had uh, you guys had a good uh, Gamblers race to wrap up your Saturday evening program. Or some familiar faces were hanging around the winter circle.
2: Um, yeah, we thought that we were gonna see a, a redo uh sexton running himself in the finals. Nasty Nick Hastings does what nasty Nick does, and he was doubled down the three cars, sitting on the buy on one entry. But we we finally found somebody that can beat Nick. Now that that would be Nick, who was a fourth <laughs> out red. Now that that's not to take anything away because that one would have been a barn burner. Nick is four yeah. red, his semifinal opponent, and eventual runner-up, Cody Barnhart, was perfect in the semis. So that would have been real fun to see that play out. Um, but again, that's the semis. Cody wins that one. Nick gets his bye run. They come back around. Let's duke it out again. And Nick wins that one to almost double up. But a, a win and a semi in a $3,000-to-win gambler's race, we're going to call that not too shabby.
1: Not very shabby at all, and uh, and no surprise out of nasty Nick as he uh, he accomplishes things like that on a fairly regular basis. So it's become almost an expectation uh, of him. And you know you uh, then you wrapped up the program with Sunday's race. Obviously had a great turnout there as well with very little drop off from Saturday. And uh, tell us about those winners, Michael.
2: Yeah. Now part of Loose Rocker's program is I've always. And one of the, the rules that we have, uh, our buy runs, I've always felt like it's it's awful when uh, you've earned the buy run the, the last time for a race. And then you don't actually get to use it at some point. So we've always taken the winners from the previous night. They're sitting on the buy the next morning. So Sexton runs himself in the finals. He's the first round buy. Uh, his first entry, well, guess what? We found somebody that could beat Nathan Sexton. That was uh Nathan Sexton. He was too red on his first entry, and on his buy run, he was perfect. So yeah, but uh but he did not win on Sunday. Sunday, we had a, a new batch and uh, uh, new verse, same as the old verse. I've actually got some people saying it online now. You got to say it three times fast. Deadly Devin Dudley. This young man is absolutely incredible. Uh it, it's starting to become a little bit of a toss-up. It, it, who's the best out there right now? Is it Nasty Nick? Is it Nathan Sexton? Devin Dudley, I believe I need to check my stats on it. It's probably toss-up between him and Nick. Devin, I believe, could be the winningest driver in the whole loose rocker series. You know, which granted, we only do a, a handful of races a year. And some of them are just door car races, so they don't include foot brake. And I have literally lost count of how many times Devin has won with us. Uh, He virtually owns Virginia Motorsports Park. And I mentioned that to him Sunday morning because he did not have a good Saturday. Things just weren't rolling the the way that he wanted to. And I said, you know, not every place can be a Virginia Motorsports Park. You own Virginia. You know, we're Piedmont. Could you own Piedmont? The answer is yes. And the way that he did it is absolutely mind-blowing. You know, I keep pretty busy in the tower and out the lanes, you know, doing race director stuff. But I overheard our announcer, Ron Huntley Jr., at one point mention, I think he was wearing out the throttle return springs by the 60-foot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then later on, I was outside taking pictures of the finals with Deadly Devin Dudley and Adam Davis. Adam Davis, a former $25,000 Thanksgiving Fall Foot Break Frenzy winner with Loose Rocker. Oh, by the way, the semifinalist, last year's 40K Bigfoot winner, Ernie Humes. So down to three, everybody had won with Loose Rocker before and won big. You're very familiar with Adam Davis. Uh, yeah, I recall well. you and Adam running at Piedmont in the final round, one of the Thanksgiving weekend races, and the phrase was uttered, well, we're going to split, so we're going to run a straight, we're going to dial honest, which was one of the largest lies I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Is Adam Davis dialing honest? and I've used this phrase a number of times, Adam Davis dialing honest, that's like holding three instead of six or eight. <laughs> but Adam actually has been dialing more honest these days, and he even told me so. It's like, there's, you know, the cars are so good these days, particularly his Camaro. He's got the thing, they got like, it's going to go dead on. It's, and my Polaris is about the same way. It's almost boring. Like, I'm going dead on. You know, I don't even have my foot over the brake pedal half the time. I'm, I'm just over there. I got the best seat in the house watching these guys next to me do all kinds of work. And I'm like, man, that was really cool. Huh? Wind lights on. Great. <laughs> After <laughs> yeah. all of the driving that we've seen Adam Davis do for a multitude of years. With, oh, by the way, Adam Davis was a runner up in the Bigfoot 40K before, too. So, again, multi time finalist with us. Devin Dudley was literally ripping from the 330 on, like hard. That has probably never happened in the other lane. from Adam. <laughs>
1: yeah, He's seen it a lot from his, but you're right. He doesn't see it very often from the other
2: one. Like, I had, I'm like, I don't even know what's going on here. Like, this doesn't make any sense. If it was Adam doing it, I'd be like, okay, that's, that's cool. I, I get that. Uh, then I did a quick little interview with, with Devin in the Winter Circle. And I'm like, do you got throttle return springs on like auto delivery? He's like, Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> but he said he he tried dialing honest and it just wasn't working for him. And he changed it up. Now that was a big, big changing up. And oh, by the way, that was the first weekend on an engine that they just put in the car. And oh, by the way, that's the second time that they pulled that stunt off where they drop a motor in the car and go out and win and oh by the way just a few weeks ago a nasty storm had gone through and knocked the tree over bashed up his trailer and uh let's just say the mustang's got a little bit of character still on the roof but she still looks nice in the winter circle (laughs)
1: yeah and sound like he's driving it extremely well like always you're you're right about Devin Dudley, one of the one of the super talents and and foot brake racing and he's young he's got a lot of years left in him to do it so um, we all expect to see him continue down this path and win his share of these big ones and and certainly the small ones too when he goes so, uh, michael thank you for that recap of the the Bigfoot triple tens and congrats on another great event you and anthony walton again with loose rocker promotions you guys do a phenomenal job uh, for our sport you work hard within it all day every day and certainly putting on races uh i don't think the average person can can fathom what goes into that and you do you guys do it several times a year so uh i, I commend you for all you're doing for the sport of bracket racing and and whether that's on your regular job or <laughs> excuse me whether you're actually out there doing it or promoting it you, you, you've been really good to the sport so Thank you for that on behalf of everyone. So, um, looking forward to, you got some races left this year. I know. So uh, you probably talked about that a little bit, but just want to make sure everybody knows where they can find a loose rocker race coming
2: up. Well, again, uh, super door car challenge, the 40 K sponsored by summit racing equipment. That's at Piedmont. Actually, all, all three events we have left on our schedule are at Piedmont, uh, The Summit, Super Door Car 40K, September 11th through the 13th. And then back-to-back weekends at Piedmont. Uh, Always the week before Thanksgiving is the Racer T's American Door Slammer Nationals, presented by McCarty Auto Parts. So another top ball brace, door cars only, the occasional left-hand steer roaster, And then Thanksgiving weekend, the Thanksgiving tradition, ATI Fall Footbrake Frenzy, November 27th through the 29th. I mean, you hardly got to say dates. It's just, it's always Thanksgiving weekend. So you know when it is. Uh, And those last two events are each a a 10, a 20, and a 10. And that's been a a really good, good format for us to round out the season. But that reminds me, we got talking about formats of events a little bit ago. Again, I, I think we had a good test bed with the triple tens for 300. You Razors, you like that? I think you may see more of that from Loose Rocker next year. So we've we've got some plans. We're working hard on our 2021 schedule already. Going to be a lot of things shuffle around, but I think everything is going to be really good for the racer.
1: I'm I'm sure it's going to be great. You guys make really good decisions, put on great races, and and that that market, the the foot brake market, is prime for more of those type events. We're looking forward to seeing what you guys have in store for us. Michael, let's talk just a little bit of, of history and and where the sport kind of started changing a little bit at least the class of foot and where it is currently so for you know for 10 or 15 years obviously Coburg race promotions we are we've just are wrapping up our 14th year so we like to think we were part of that early movement with the original world foot break challenge it paid 1050 and 10 and uh, did that for a couple of years and then our our market changed a little bit, so we changed our format, much like you're discussing for, for future loose rocker races. But for 10 or 15 years, we, we've had good races, really good, and some of them been super good. And the, the schedule started filling up more and more each year and seemed to get really full uh, from 2016 to 2018. I, I think 2018 was where you <clears throat> originally had your um, your triple 40s. Your, your big foot forward, that was 2018,
2: right? Uh, I believe so, yeah, yep. Yeah, because this is so, our, our third year now, so yeah, 2018.
1: Yeah, so from a weekend standpoint, you did something that was uh, as big or bigger than we've ever seen, uh, 40K a day for three days, and uh, that was a successful event. it's a That's a difficult business model for foot brake racers, and you were basically all the way on the East Coast, which probably created another challenge or two for some – Midwest and and Southwest customers to get to you. Yeah, I know you had some of those, but um, the the event was successful. But you saw a need to change it in the market, and you changed that up to ten forty ten as you explain. And now it's currently triple tens. I think you're going to go back to your uh, second format on that event
2: soon, and that'll
1: be a really good thing. And then yeah, we're, we're looking
2: to do the forty again next year. Now uh, yeah, the triple forties. I mean, it should have been a successful event. I'd say that it it survived. Um, You know, nothing to scoff at with 240-some cars. That sounds good, but uh, if you look at some of the other big buck races out there that were triple 20s for $650 for the weekend, and we were trying to do triple 40s for $650, that math does not work in your favor. You know, we tried to put something together that, you know, kind of like our triple tens for 300. This is so good of a deal. You can't afford to not be there. So if anyone wasn't there, they physically could not be there or financially could not be there. And we we found that the price point was a big sticking point for a lot of people. And geographically, as you pointed out, it's not just being that far east because We're just as far east with Piedmont Dragway, Virginia Motorsports Park. But as you get further south in these last number of years, the southeast has gone to a no-box format. Um, And I, I think we got a little too far south for our particular market where Darlington and Piedmont aren't that far apart. But if you've already been in the truck for six or seven hours, then another two or three starts to look like a whole lot. So I think we lost more of our Northern guys than what we picked up in our Southern guys. Uh, we just need to, to find a balance of location and price point and, and all that, but we are going to give the, the 40 another go next year. Uh, see how it does at the being further North. Um, but like I said, we, we will try the, the triple tens at, at some of our other events.
1: Yeah. And, and certainly, um, you know, as you said, it, it, it was still successful. I mean, a first year for it, a different format, and it was a different price point than footbreakers are accustomed to. So, uh, everything involved, uh, you guys did a great job with that. And looking forward to you being able to bring a 40K back. Piedmont's a great location. So, 2021 is definitely looking bright for footbreak racing. But that schedule started slimming up a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me, in 2019, uh, one thing led to another saturated market um in 2019 some races actually in 18 a couple fell off In 19 a couple more fell off so open the schedule up a little bit for those of us that are fortunate to be hanging around doing some races and that's when the you know 2019 at the world Footbreak challenge uh, the, the 100k was announced and um got a a big reaction to that and you know it was just seemed prime so people ask what led to the event becoming reality and really Steve had been wanting to do something big for the foot brake class for, for quite a while. And, um, you guys were, were doing the forties. So the need to do something big really kind of went away because it was there that, that was a huge race for the foot brake class and you guys pulled it off. And, and that was, um, that was everything the class needed at the time. You, you, you had a, a really pinpointed event for where the where the foot brake class needed to elevate to at that time, and then when business models changed a little bit, Steve kind of got back on that and put that right in the middle of his radar, and <clears throat> he kept working on me to to buy into it. Um, around the like same the first time, first year, <laughs> very very similar, yeah, very similar. So we were, were we you went, at Applebee's. We both of us weren't over 300 pounds and, and had five appetizers on the table at that time. So, <laughs> uh, but around the same time, you remember it, there was a lot of discussion on social media about someone needing to do a hundred K foot brake race. And like I said, Steve and I had been talking about it and all that combined kind of put me on the side of the fence that, that believed it needed to happen. And, and I bought in and, uh, we were doing a raffle. Or the WFC where we were uh drawing our winners and it was just one of those very rare occasions where Steve happened to be here. We we live about three hours apart, so he happened to be here at my home and he got in the video with me and he uh he kinda dropped the bomb that a hundred K foot race should be in the works. I, I did not know that was coming in the video. I mean obviously we've been discussing it, <clears throat> but he uh he dropped that bomb and things kinda took off from there and the event was born and we announced at WFC thirteen and we spent 14 months promoting it, and now, obviously, as you're listening to this, it's less than, but today as we record, or tonight as we record, it's a week from reality, and we're very excited about it. A uh, good count of uh, pre-entries, and looks like everything's going to go off well. It's not going to be anything like the WFC, nor did we ever anticipate that would happen, but it's going to be good, and we're thankful for that, and we're we're looking forward to putting that hundred thousand dollar check that you did by the way. Uh if anybody if anybody hasn't seen your work, <clears throat> they've not been watching racing very close because it's all over the place. And uh your your promotion tools are very, very helpful and we appreciate it very much. So looking forward to dropping that hundred K check that you're gonna do in somebody's hands on Saturday night. And I uh, you know I don't know Michael where it goes from here you know, it seems like the top bulb stuff just—they can't grow fast enough. You know, it went from fifty k's to somebody doing a hundred to your million-dollar, quote-unquote, million-dollar races. They'd pay two to three hundred thousand, maybe even get upwards of three fifty at times, and then all of a sudden, it just took off from there to a five hundred to a million.
2: Well, so I, I tell you, uh, I'll be honest. I've always said there should be all types of races. There should be low buck, little weekly races. There there should be some big money races. There should be some mega buck races. You know, there's a lot of different markets out there t- to be catered to. And to be honest, the six and seven figure races don't bother me. The more of them that there are, that's not my customer. You know, for the most part, it, we may share a few here and there, but sure. we're pretty happy sitting in our our fives and tens and twenties. You know, we're, we're just servicing a different market, and that's okay. You know that there again should be something for everybody.
1: No doubt, and and there definitely is. And foot brake racing, you know, seem like we kind of have gotten stuck on a number that ten thousand to twenty thousand range. You guys, obviously, as we mentioned prior, come out and bid to forties. And I thought that was perfect timing for a race like that. And obviously, um, you're, you're going to have a version of that continuing on into 2021. So you feel the same here we are with a hundred thousand dollar foot brake race, you know, Coburg racing promotions has no intentions to, to grow that number and, and see what can be done. I think we've reached a price point where the foot breakers are saying, you know, that's, that's it for me. Um, <clears throat> we We've reached a point where that's all that we can handle spending coming to the race. But it's one hundred thousand dollars and it's guaranteed, so some people are gambling, as as always, anytime you open the gates, there's some gambling out there with finances and those things. But uh somebody's gonna leave with a hundred thousand dollars and they'll forget about what the entry and, and buybacks were. But nonetheless, could you possibly see foot brake racing getting bigger purses? Going forward, or you know, what what do you, what do you see to help of foot brake racing currently, and is there even a possibility to continue this trend of raising purses in our class?
2: I I think for foot brake, you've probably hit the cap on that, and your goal at this point should be longevity. You know, just you know, given the pre entries that you've got now, you you know that you're in the black, so just thank god and and you you don't have that uh race day worry in your gut so you can concentrate on just making sure that everybody has had the the great fast paced fair fun racing that they've always had at bristol you know bristol is a destination and that's something that you've really got working for you um uh, so I, I don't see a need to go past that yeah and you a hundred thousand dollars is so far above and beyond anything else you know it already is the million four foot break you know that you hit it uh as a racer myself you know you've got a certain budget generally speaking for the year you know how many races can you go to like like you, you said in the introduction, last year was one of the best years of my career. You know, Outside of the two world championship years, financially, it was the third best year of my career. And that was done on two granders, five granders, and a couple of tens. There's only two races that I even attended that paid more than 10 and no one and I had an ex- extraordinarily good year which is why the cars in the shop getting some upgrades while i can still afford it you know but i also yeah when i do get back out next year i need to be able to afford to go to these races and as a racer i'll be honest that even the 40s aren't my favorite thing in the world now i would love it if somebody would do triple 40s for 650 if you want to do that like i'll be there <laughs> like <laughs> But again that that math is really really hard you that you really do need 300 350 entries you know so that's a tough road to hoe but quite honestly we can run for fives tens twenties you know keep the 100k as you know Labor Day weekend isn't the very tail end of the season but it's a pinnacle of the season you know Labor Day is that, that changing of the season. You know, you do have that Labor Day Monday for people to travel. So that, that sits very nicely. You know, make that you, – you've done it. It's there. You've got the right date. You've got the right location. And you've got the biggest paying footbreak purse for a single day that's ever been done. Now, there was one, since we were talking history a, a bit ago – the footbrake million actually was a thing. George Howard did the footbrake million many, many years ago. And the format on that was uh, $100,000 to win based on X number of cars. And if it had fewer cars than that, then it would pay 100% of the entries, which was $1,000 at the time. If I recall, it was somewhere around 82, 86 entries. So it ended up paying $86,000. So you guys will, in fact, have the largest single-day footbrake purse in history, without question.
1: Yeah, I've actually got that in the notes. I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, it was a 100K footbrake race. um was what he intended it to be, and it was $1,000 an entry. And it, it uh, was, if it didn't get to 100 cars, it was going to pay $1,000 a car for first place, and it had 80 in it. It was in 2006 here in Alabama. And Dan Smith won that in a a Chrysler 300. Beautiful, clean, quiet, looked like a street car, but it was a little faster than your average street car. I know you remember the car well. And uh, he beat my cousin Ricky, actually, in the final. And uh, the legend, Doyle Kay and my partner, Steve Stites, were the semifinalists. So uh, that was a big deal. But, Michael, that was 2006. It was 14 years ago before it come back around to get to that level again. Is it, why is it taking so long?
2: Again, price point is a big thing. The economy has been up and down over the years. But you look at, uh, granted, the virus has knocked the wind out of our sales this year. But still, you look at, overall, the economy that we've had for the last couple of years. People are very confident. Gas prices are low. You got money in your pocket. Hey, let's go get it done. You know, it, it, it yep. was tough when uh like you'd said, you did a couple of years of the, the 50, and it was at the time that was not in a great economy. And you still made a go of it, but you guys had the foresight to bring it back to triple tens where everybody could afford it. Okay, it wasn't fifty grand, but you know what? You grew that to 300 cars, 400 cars, 500 plus. Uh, I believe you've been over 500 a couple of times now. Absolutely phenomenal. And again, just you know, you say you can't put a price on a good time, but <laughs> that <laughs> price is typically $350 at Bristol. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that seems to fit well. And as you mentioned, Bristol is a destination facility. People want to go there. It, it offers you all of the things that make it a little bit more enjoyable to race it's you know full paved pits it's got nice showers and there's some power pit spots it offers you a great view from the grandstands in the left lane and just from a scenery standpoint i, I couldn't imagine a facility being much more beautiful i haven't been to norwalk i know you've been there quite a few times mm-hmm. and i hear wonderful things about it and i, I look forward to seeing it one day but as far as facilities I've visited, Bristol's is, is pretty as they are. And while that doesn't have a lot of value in terms of creating car count, it certainly doesn't help. I mean, it doesn't hurt when the missus says, That's a, that's a great place. I, I love taking pictures there. Let's go. It seems like you can get as many reasons to want to come to Bristol and race as you can possibly find. And I think that lends itself to large crowds.
2: Well, and it's relatively centrally located in terms of population, racer population. Uh, I mean, no doubt. You you look at the country and you you think Memphis is a little more centrally located, but what's west of Memphis? Cows. Uh, There's (laughs) some racers and a heck of a lot of good racers, but again, just per capita, you know, the core of your foot brake group is right around that region.
1: And, and it being around July the 4th, there. yeah, and, and being around July the 4th helps as well. That's a time where, you know, kids typically aren't playing ball, they're not in school, so it just seems to open itself up to to the most potential customers, and we've been very blessed and fortunate to to reap the benefits of that here for quite a few years as we move into year 15 next year, so really excited about that really excited about this 100k next weekend. Uh it's going to be uh it's going to be a history-making day on Saturday, September the 5th when a racer wins that 100,000. Um Michael, we all know that you know it'll it will most likely 99.9% get cut up. Uh, I have no idea what to expect the winner to leave with, but to say it's life-changing money is really all relative to whose life is getting it, but I would think most of our customers, it will, it will definitely change their life, uh, minimum short term. Some of them may be a little bit longer term. You know, some of them might pay off a truck or a, a vehicle or something if they win it. So um,
2: it could possibly be. Say, uh, yeah. uh, what's that? It, that's almost exactly what I was going to say. It was life changing for me when I paid off my truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a great
1: day, or night, or whenever you do it. So, it's going to be fun to be a part of that. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, definitely, you know, want to see our sport continue to grow. And, and Steve and I will evaluate this event when it's all over and see if it has sustainability to to continue on as it is, or if we change it. Like to keep the Labor Day date at Bristol. I think um, we definitely will be interested in doing more next year doing a couple events whether it's 100k or not again we'll see how that goes but um want to you know want to impact the sport positively and give a lot of people opportunity to come to bristol and race with us and certainly not sure if uh you know this kind of investment that we're asking for from the racers is a is a long-term business model that can can
2: live but We'll see how that goes. But, real quickly, Michael, before we wrap it up, you... uh, I, I did want to mention, real quick, since we we're discussing life changing money, and I know there, there's, you've done 50s and you've done 20s, but I might want to put myself out there as being the one who has had the biggest life change out of winning the World Footbreak Challenge. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that I was lucky enough to run myself in the finals in year two of the 10 grander. You remember where I'm going with this? What I happened think I do. after the
1: after the winter? So you
2: served,
1: you promised, you promised somebody my... something.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you promised somebody something, and and your your day was life changing for sure. And uh, you you held that you kept that promise. Uh, no pun intended. I obviously, made the ultimate promise. But tell us exactly what happened.
2: Well, I, I'd always told Jill that she could have a ring when I got out of debt. And after hearing that for any number of years, she quit worrying about it. Cause well, I ain't never going to happen. We're always going to be in debt. <laughs> and I called her after we did the winter circle pictures and she picked up the phone and I said, Hey honey, got a question for you. Yeah. What's that? Will you marry me? And she busted up laughing and I said, you're not supposed to laugh. And my buddy, Randy Larson standing right next to me, listening. And I just taken a big giant swig of his Coke and spit it everywhere. <laughs> and uh, I, I had to explain to her what I was talking about, because I I did not give her any context leading into that conversation at all. And I said, well, I always told you when I got out of debt, you could have a ring. Well, I run it up today. And I won. And, <laughs> and she said, shut up. And we got married that November. Nah. And the rest awesome. The awesome so somebody works. out there might. They possibly have a really, really good wedding after the after Labor Day. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, they might get some extra flowers or, or grapes or cupcakes or whatever they're going to get. But um, definitely uh, happy to be a small part of that story of your engagement and ultimately your marriage. And uh, that was a heck of a day. I remember sharing that with you. It was hot, and you were running that Valari like crazy on them small tires, and just knocking them down one after another. And as it was happening, I was like, this. This can't happen. I mean I know how talented Beard is, but it just can't continue and can't happen. And
2: exactly that way for years. It can't happen. But it did. That's just lottery odds. Like even looking back on it, it can't happen. Yeah. With that crowd. Like and and there was some guy in the tower that, that kept saying, Hey, we need you back, please. And I went okay, so I got in the car and I went back and then and then there was some guy in the tower said, "Hey, we need your back, please." And <laughs> from fourth round on, it was seven minutes green light to green light, and it was so cool. It was like hitting a practice tree. Like we're never in the pits for more than a couple minutes, and that was only after the second entry. After my first entry, I grabbed a time slip and just. Coasted up the chase road in front of the grandstands, loop around the stage of the lanes, jump out, dial up to get back in the car, go down the racetrack, go back to the fifth. Randy and I cool down, fuel, fuel it up, charge it up. And Jed's going, Need your back, please. Okay, cool. And uh, oh, you're talking about, about split stuff. I get up to the head of lanes, and I got my helmet on. I'm all suited up, strapped in. And, and Randy goes, uh, hey, uh, this guys over there, uh, they're, they're talking, talking about money. They're talking split. So tell them whatever they want to do is fine. I need to go down the racetrack again. <laughs> sure. I'm like, I like I need to go down the racetrack. To this day, I have no idea what the split was. I got a rough idea what I went home with, but <laughs> I have no idea what they did. I Great just needed stuff. to go down the racetrack again. Uh, was, you stayed in your element and just
1: kept doing your thing. You know, maybe there's something to that. Maybe others ought to, ought to follow that model.
2: And you, you just get into autopilot. It was like hitting a practice tree. I'll be honest. I was junk the first three rounds. I, I just got away with it but round four something clicked and it was on good times yep it was awesome times and it makes it extra special to have had that experience and get to see that on the other side of the tower glass to see nathan sexton do it in a streetcar, unbelievable and we had another double years ago uh jay norris doubled up the sunday 5k over a fall footbreak frenzy one year driving a Dodge Aspen, which is the sister car of a Plymouth Velary. So it was like watching me do it. And we got down to the semis, and it's Jay Norris versus Bob Mulaney and Jay Norris on the bye. And when Jay's winning, like, come on, I hollered, and I was inside the tower, and Anthony said, man, you hollered kind of loud. I hope that didn't go over the PA. And I'm like, you know what? If Mulaney was in the same situation, I'd have to holler just as loud for him because it wasn't who did it; it was it was the history of it, the situation. Having seen that, because again, it can't happen, but it did. It was incredible to watch. You know, it,
1: it just, is fun to watch for sure, and I, I felt the same way with Scotty. You know, Scotty won the first fifty in year one, come back in year two, and he's mowing down and making rounds. And I'm like, well, there's no way. It just even and. You know, I, I guess for just a split second there, a minute, I let myself forget who I was talking about. That it's Scotty <laughs> Richardson, but I said it just can't happen. There's no way he can do it again. And he won the 50 again the next year. That was that was quite impressive.
2: Oh, and like your your John Labuse winning three straight, the first spring fling, and like, you know, what do you do with this? How do you promote that next year? Hey, come try your luck because there's only one guy that that can win this race. So good luck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good stuff. Great, uh, great trip down memory lane there with you. Really appreciate you coming on, talking to us, uh, again, giving us a unique perspective from a guy that's had every angle you can possibly have in this sport and still continues to have it today. We appreciate what you do for foot brake racing and for our sport in general. And for us promoters that are out there with, uh, using you as a resource for our, our promotional items just i uh, really appreciate all you do for us michael thank you for coming in here tonight and and joining us and you know we we'll look forward to having you back on sometime soon hopefully um you know you get back on the racetrack soon and start collecting more of those checks and we'll get more reason to get you on here and talk to you a little bit
2: well thank you so much bud i had a really good time and uh thanks to mark the producer behind the scenes uh you know we got to do that little interview with him on the video at a practice tree race this winter so people got yep. to see the the guy that does all the inner workings and and downloads software three minutes after we go live <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah we put him in a bind uh, but he, he responded like he always does we definitely love producer mark and appreciate his work so uh that wraps us up guys uh this episode number 194 of the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and uh or michael beard uh excuse me i would jed and michael beard excuse me uh thank you for filling in for uh, luke this week and we appreciate you guys listening definitely want you to reach out to us on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page let us know what uh you you liked about this show what you disliked where we were right where we were wrong where we didn't talk about it enough, whatever's on your mind, reach out to us on the Facebook page and tell us what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. And certainly uh, look forward to messages or posts if you want to just put it out there public and post it for everybody to see. We want to see that as well. And uh, don't be afraid to, to get after us a little bit if you feel like we need it. And certainly um, if, you're, uh, if you're part of the Twitter gang, you can tweet either Luke or myself. He is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Michael, do you have a Twitter handle that you want to uh, get out there in case anybody wants to tweet you?
2: I do not tweet. Uh, I am way too easy to get a hold of as it is, but you can find me on, on Facebook, um, Facebook Messenger. I, shoot, I probably do 99% of my work with customers through Facebook Messenger. <laughs> so yeah, That's why I'm on there all the time because I'm actually working. work, and believe it or not.
1: That's a great tool, and uh, you can reach out to Michael on his personal page, obviously Michael Beard, B-E-A-R-D, or you can uh, contact him through the Loose Rocker Promotions page, and you can keep up to date with everything those guys have going on. They're they're great at showcasing what's happening at their events and what has happened at their events, so keep up with them uh, early and often. And, uh, again, just really appreciate, Michael, you coming in and, telling us a little bit of the history that you know and and just giving us your insight on foot brake racing in general i think it's healthy with guys like you and anthony walton and other great promoters out there that are trying to keep bottom bulb and foot brake racing alive and healthy i think we're in good hands certainly looking forward to 2021 what loose rocker has in store and, and we've got some great things as well so uh footbreakers this was your show hope you enjoyed it and definitely look forward to seeing you at one of our races a loose rocker race or any other of the promoters that are out there trying to make bottom bulb and footbreak racing uh, stay on a a great stage and a a high level so again uh, appreciate michael beard thank you for for listening folks and uh, luke and i'll be back together soon and look forward to talking to you about more sportsman drag racing real soon have a great one
0: Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises, that's BTE, here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. um, That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or or top sportsman power glide transmission – a torque converter designed for your specific combination or any transmission component or bolt-on item the folks at bte and memphis performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra competitive world of sportsman drag racing shop online at bteracing.com
3: Says it's all about the story. It's starting on celebrations and the burnout, saying "smoky." If you need a golf cart or a party, call my man, Okie Dokie. Four eight eight finishes.